This is a Federal News Network podcast. It might have been a perfect weekend for a getaway, but the Senate was busy mainly on the ostensibly bipartisan infrastructure bill. It could eventually mean lots of work for nearly every federal agency. Here with a summary to date and what's ahead, Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. Lauren, review what happened over the weekend and where everything goes from here with, uh, of course, a lot of recess for half the Congress. Right. Well, the House has been gone for more than a week and the Senate has continued on working on some of the big legislative items they want to get done as part of not only their agenda, but President Joe Biden's agenda. So most of this time has been spent on the bipartisan infrastructure deal that was announced several weeks ago at this point, but it took time to get to the fine-tuned legislative details to turn that into text and then process it through the Senate. As we saw this weekend, one senator can do a lot to hold up a bill. And we saw that from Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee, who didn't give them agreement to move forward quickly and process this bill in a matter of hours. He wanted them to take the full amount of time on some of these procedural votes. So that's what took up a great deal of time this weekend on that infrastructure bill. And that sets up another debate on a much larger package, $3.5 trillion in spending. They're going to set up the procedural aspects of that before they leave on recess in the Senate and then have the fuller debate on that once they get back sometime in the fall. Golly, so the weekend came and went, but they did not get that infrastructure bill over the line. Well, they made a lot of progress on the infrastructure bill. Um, they, they had a lot of procedural steps to get through. Um, and under the rules of the Senate, one person can hold it up. And that happened this time. Um, even though there's wide bipartisan agreement on this, a lot of Republicans have backed it. Obviously, Republicans were part of the negotiating team. And then many more Republicans backed the procedural votes when they happened over the weekend. So um, again, things can take a lot of time in the Senate. And there's a lot of hurry up and wait getting to some of these key votes that they had to take. Got it. So then the Senate will continue to work this week? That's right. The goal before they leave is to pass or adopt, I guess they would say, a budget resolution setting up this reconciliation bill later on. Um, This is one of the weird items in the Senate that doesn't take 60 votes to cut off debate because of the budget rules that they operate under. They only need a simple majority to get this through. Now, as we know, in a 50-50 Senate, that means you need all 50 Democrats to back this resolution in order for it to get through. So that gives every Democrat a lot of leverage here to make sure that they get their vision of this budget resolution written um, so that it can get through and over the finish line. And it will require at some point uh, Vice President Kamala Harris probably to come in and break a tie so that it would be 51-50 in the end. But this is a a procedural uh, prelude to the substantive writing of this $3.5 trillion bill that will happen later in the year. And then obviously both of these bills, the infrastructure bill, and this budget resolution setting up reconciliation will head over to the House, which will have to process it at some point in time, but likely not for several more weeks, given that they're out until September 20th at this point. Right. So the Senate will work until when then? Probably most of this week. Um, We'll see if that clears them to go. There's obviously a lot more on their agenda, whether it's Uh, executive and judicial nominees that the president has sent over. There's some members who are interested in having a vote on voting and election changes before they go away on the summer recess. Uh, We'll have to see if there's appetite among senators to keep going or to leave town, have their vacations, be with their families, or even take trips around the country and the world if that's what they had set up for the summer. Yeah, so given the fact that the House won't be back for several weeks, more than a month, then nothing will happen on infrastructure or that $3.5 What's the name of the $3.5 trillion 
thing. I don't know that we have one yet, but it's referred to often as the soft infrastructure or the human infrastructure bill. And these are ideas around childcare and healthcare and making some changes possibly to the Medicare program. A lot of democratic priorities will go into that. Um, some climate change provisions may even wind up in there. So we'll have to see what they assemble together. Um, it's it's going to be a tough road for both of these bills, potentially in the House. So, you know, just the Senate's adoption of the budget resolution and passage of infrastructure isn't the end of either of those things, but kind of just a middle step because the House has its own issues to work through with a very narrow majority over there. We don't tend to focus on the narrow majority, but there is a very narrow one for Democrats there of 220 to I think it's 212 right now. Sure, yes. And of course, that latest bill that we've been talking about that's on the immediate agenda, 2,701 or 2,702 pages, depending on which account of it the PDF I had, had 2,701. Any comments coming from the Hill on the fact that nobody even expects anyone to have read all of this whatsoever? Well, there were many drafts of it were floating around before they got to the final one. So I think members had a sense of what was in it. And obviously the ones negotiating had a pretty good feel. But you're right, it's a large bill to get through and you just can't read a page necessarily and figure out what it's doing. Sometimes you have to go back to the codes. Sometimes you have to look at a, another piece of legislation that passed many years ago. Uh, our team at BGov spent a lot of time looking at that bill and trying to digest it as quickly as possible to, to tell readers what was in it. But it, it's a tall order when you get to 2,700 plus pages on a piece of legislation. So time may help other members digest it and find things and and go from there. And in the meantime, you mentioned the House won't be back until mid-September or so. And of course, that all makes very late towards a federal normal $1.4 trillion, let's say, regular discretionary budget. So there's no way that's going to happen in time to avoid a continuing resolution at this point. Right. We're going to be looking at a continuing resolution at some point in September, paired likely with the debate over what to do with the debt limit, uh, because that is back in who force after being suspended for a couple of years, and Congress will have to figure out what to do there. Um, That will be tough as well, because Republicans in the Senate don't want to go along with that. So they may need to use that budget reconciliation process to push that through, and that will take time as well. So um, I think we're going to have a lot of things combining and colliding in late September. We've seen some progress on appropriations, nine of the 12 bills passed by the House. We've had the first three out of the Senate Appropriations Committee, but there's no agreement on how much to spend in total or how much then to spend on each bill and program. So we're have probably several more months of negotiations before we can wrap up that important legislation. Any authorizations that are lagging? And then there's the NDAA, which they try to get finished by September 30th. That's right. And that's one of the things we will see some members come back into town for the House in the next few weeks. I believe it's September 1st, they'll be marking up their version of the National Defense Authorization Act. The Senate Authorizing Committee has already put forward its version. So that one's rolling along as well. That one doesn't have to be done by the 30th. That sometimes slips um, into later in the year. And then one of the authorizations that's relevant to this infrastructure debate is the highway or surface transportation bill that expires September 30th. So if the debate is continuing on the infrastructure legislation, we may have to see a short-term extension of highway programs to keep the money flowing to states there. Lauren Duggan is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, 
Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean 
and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, DC, I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zell. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, 
it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.